Last week on Restaurant Revolution, Patrick Hinks, founder and owner of Woodchips Barbecue of Lapeer, Michigan, took us through the beginning of the COVID-19 lockdowns. He shared what it was like to have to shut down his businesses and lay off his team without warning or instruction. This week, we pick up where we left off and continue to dig into what it's like to go into the negative in your bank account and what it was like on a personal level. If you missed last week's episode, I suggest going back and diving in. And now, back to Patrick. Before we get into the financial ruin that you last told me about, I want to know what was the biggest struggle that you had during the first lockdown? Um, I think for both me and the team, it it was probably the mental health strain. Um, We were in completely uncharted territory. Benchmarks continued to be moved. Every week was a little bit different. And we saw families kind of being, if not torn apart, but what people were used to was no longer there. And there started to be confrontations and confusion and disagreements, especially as the politicization of the the situation set in. I know me personally, you know, I had had stretches there where it was almost every other day that I was was breaking down in tears as I'm watching my business crumble and fall apart, watch my employees, my work family fall apart, but then watching as society struggling and it seems like people are just turning on each other even though the mantra of we're all in this together is supposed to be there. I know that I I, I started drinking more than I was used to. You know, it wasn't an everyday thing, but it was often enough where I'm like, what's going on here? Do I, do I really need to be doing this? I know our team suffered as well. I know a lot of them were turning to um, you know, different substances, alcohol use across the board, I think was up. Last year, opioid uh, substance abuse was already an issue here in the U.S. And that's growing when we look at maybe some of the stresses caused by the pandemic, at least when you look at some, some data being compiled here, as well as a new survey from the CDC. Just want to highlight what that came out and said back in June, about 13% of respondents said they had started or increased substance abuse to deal with stress or emotions tied to the pandemic. And that's something that is dangerous when you think about where uh, these opioid-related deaths already were back in 2019. We're likely to see alarming numbers this year in those increases. Most of it brought on, you know, stress and uh, financial, emotional stress from the pandemic. Um, We think differently, we act differently. It's essentially changed our personalities. Um, People are turning to alcohol and drugs um, more and more. So uh, we've seen an increase in alcohol detox and and opiate detox. Um, it's, It's really scary. We had some very severe mental health issues. We had a new new employee actually attempt suicide, had to be checked into a, a mental health hospital. Um, she was never able to return to the team. Um, so that was heartbreaking. And then we even lost a, a former employee. Um, I think it was back towards the end of April. Um, she succumbed to um, some symptoms from alcoholism. Um, and she was a longtime employee and actually was a tenant who lived up, upstairs above our restaurant. So that was, you know, just another gut punch, another body blow, just kind of making us all feel the strain and feel the pressure of the situation. I'm so sorry to hear about that loss. So you are telling me you had to deal with all of that on top of a financial strain situation for your business. Oh, yes. And I mean, that just exacerbated the situation. That that in itself would have been, you know, one of the biggest stressors I've encountered in my professional career. Add to that everything else going on with it outside of even the work life. As extensions of the lockdown continued to be passed, what were your thoughts? Well, it was just continually frustrating. We were told these different benchmarks and time periods and said it was based off data and science, but we were never really given the data and science. We were never really told what these benchmarks were or really ever saw any proof that they really existed. So it was continually frustrating that it seemed like we were making all the adaptations we could. We were following all the guidelines, but it didn't really seem to matter because we were at the the whim of those in charge. 
And we can see by by the governor's response, anytime anybody posed any sort of question, it was almost always dismissed as a political attack or some sort of partisanship. And it's, again, I'm not Republican or Democrat, and there were questions being asked that needed to have answers. And it was it just seems so so disingenuous and so frustrating to continually brush aside these 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 questions that really you know amounts to life and death for a lot of people and for it to just be pushed aside as a, as a partisan attack when you know this is real life so the first lockdown it lasted 85 days and when it was lifted were you excited to get back to normal or what was your thought process for that well yes i mean we, we still had some restrictions in place but we we're very excited to get guests dining in with us again. That's where my passion for this business comes from, is building connective experiences uh, with our guests that come through our doors and hand over their heart and money to us. I take I take that responsibility very serious to give them a great experience. So the opportunity to be able to do that, very exciting, but still had a lot of new rules to navigate and try to, to figure out how to do it the right way. All right, so what was the right way? So we had rules with the, the mask mandates, um, but this was always unclear as there were continually new tweaks and executive orders being issued. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. I have been crystal clear for a long time <laughs> yes. in what I've been saying. I don't think there's any ambiguity of what I've been saying. Masks are important. They're effective. Combine it with physical distancing, avoiding crowds and washing hands, and it works. End of story. It's true. What no about question about that. You put another layer on, it just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective. And that's the reason why you see people either double masking or doing a version of an N95. Um, we had the capacity restrictions. Uh, we were down to 50% of our dining capacity. Extra cleaning procedures, which we already have most of those in place. We're, we're a fairly organized and well-ran restaurant, if I do say so myself. Um, but there were there were some other little things too, and they were just continually being updated and changed. So it was it was very challenging to always stay stay ahead of the curve and make sure we were compliant with whatever the mandate du jour was. So you went from carryout back to dine-in. Were there any supplier issues? Tell me about that. Sure. Um, so most of our vendors have been in the same position we were. They mostly service restaurants, with restaurants being mostly closed. Our carry-out to-go guy was okay. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, even our broadline distributors had cut back on their amount of deliveries. Our our bun guy, our cheese place completely shut down. We, oh, were, wow. we were unable to get our famous Michigan pink counting cheese. So trying to get the balance of not a whole lot of notice that we're opening back up, trying to coordinate everything in here but then also work with our suppliers because we needed to be able to get everything we needed to execute our full menu this morning new concerns about america's food supply fast food chain wendy's becoming the latest company to feel the effects of a pandemic triggered meat shortage reportedly not able to serve burgers its hallmark item in some locations and what kind of communication did you get from the government in terms of closing down reopening almost exclusively it all came from the media uh, it was the governor or whoever on TV kind of telling us what the deal was, and then we try to piece it apart from the news reports the next day. Eventually, they did start to send out some orders emailed to us through some different executive level departments, but even then you're getting strictly just the legalese of some of these orders, and some of them are several pages long. I think I've had some that were well into double digits of pages, and it's, it's all in legalese, and you have to translate that, figure out which sections apply to you, what exactly it's saying, and then try to somehow reconcile that with existing rules. So did you try to reach out to anyone to get any clarifications? Yeah, so we, we started off 
with the mask mandate, we had employees pushing back. Those who had breathing issues, we had some that had panic attacks, and they were just, they were extremely uncomfortable wearing these. And so I knew I had an obligation to follow federal law, which included the American with Disabilities Act, to, to make sure that I'm providing a safe, reasonable, accommodating workplace for these people. Today, we are discussing the do's and don'ts for ADA reasonable accommodations. The Americans with Disabilities Act was signed into law in 1990 to prevent discrimination against people with disabilities. If an employee asks for accommodation, don't end the conversation too quickly. Consider all options if you can't easily identify a reasonable accommodation. These might include working part-time, reassigning the employee, or providing an unpaid leave of absence. Do keep job descriptions up to date including essential functions. You have a responsibility to reasonably accommodate an employee who can't perform an essential function. So when we had our, our regularly scheduled health inspection um, shortly after Dine and reopened, our, our, one of our regular inspectors came in. I talked with them. I'm like, hey, here's my approach to it. Uh, we're providing masks. Um, we're doing our best to enforce it. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to reconcile these federal laws. And I don't, I'm not getting clarity on, on what I should be doing here. And he basically said, everything you're doing is fine. Uh, we don't have a problem with anything going on here. Your tables are spaced out. Your restaurant's clean and organized. Basically gave us a thumbs up. And like every time with our health inspection, we passed the flying colors. Um, flash forward to a week later, the same health inspector is now calling my restaurant. I'm not there. Uh, and is talking with an assistant manager and just being very threatening, hmm. saying that they're going to try to file charges against us, that they're forwarding this to the prosecutor, that we are disobeying rules. And so at this point, I'm like, guys, well, it sounds like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. I attempt to call, call that inspector, talk with him, and he's basically like, well, I, I need you to talk with somebody higher up. Eventually, I get a call from Kathy, the, the director of the county health department. So she's the highest ranking uh, government official within the county for, for the health department. She's the boss of all the health inspectors that I deal with. I had never met her. She was pretty high up. So uh, we began to have a phone conversation. I was letting her know my, my concerns with the lack of guidance and what seemed to be contradictory rules where uh, the mask order did not seem, the most recent one at the time, did not seem to have any medical exemptions for employers or employees, rather. There were medical exemptions for guests and customers, hmm. but there was none written in for our employees as there had been in previous iterations. So I was asking, how am I supposed to do this when I have employees saying that they have medical issues related to it, and I know that I have a federal law mandating that I make reasonable accommodations for them. So we kind of talked about it a little bit. She was basically saying that, you know, it's not 100% set in stone if people are in the back and they need to take a breath or if the kitchen's really hot. She's like, you know, we're not gonna be coming in there trying to, to get you, but we want you to do your best to comply with this. And I had no problem with that. Um, I had asked if I could get something in writing though, just to say that, you know, I'm not gonna be charged or anything and that I'm gonna be protected from any liability that I'm doing my best to follow all the laws. And she said she would send something out to me. Um, so I, I thought it was a very, positive conversation uh, there was one part that was a little bit scary which was so I asked her I'm like I'm like Kath what is the plan here you know we've been we're pretty deep into it at this point we're into I think we're into July late June July and I'm like what what is our strategy where are we going with this and she basically said well the plan is to keep pretty much everybody locked down until we can have a vaccine to kind of save us. I, I was just taken aback that that was the plan. You know, I thought that we were pursuing the, the vaccine as like a fail safe, but 
literally their plan was to keep us as restricted as possible and then have a vaccine come out. I even asked her, I said, Kath, you know, when was the last time we created a vaccine that really got a big win against a virus and wiped it out? And she was like, well, you know, we had smallpox. And I was like, well, you know, that was what, 60 years ago? Is this, is this what we're really banking on here? So it was, it was that first time where I kind of realized, like, I don't really know if there is a plan. If that was the plan, it seemed like that should hopefully be plan B and we should be taking other approaches with it. So in this conversation, you really didn't get any clarity in terms of what to do with your employees who are having, you know, physical reactions to the masks. Is that right? Well, no direct clarity. I mean, she gave me some, some things to kind of go off of, but again, you know, I've learned I want stuff in writing <laughs> in business. Um, Smart. So I requested that she would send me something and she said she would follow up with, with an email soon. And I promised to have with that guidance, a written policy in place so that I could make sure I was adhering to laws, both the new ones as well as previously existing ones. And did you ever receive that email? Yes, I did. Will you share it with us? Sure. Um, I'll actually go ahead and I can kind of read our exchange. We had a little bit of a back and forth and it, it did get a little tense. I'm not going to lie. Wow. Well, I definitely love to hear that. All right. So on July 2nd, uh, 2020, this is the email I received from uh, Kathy Haskins, the director of the uh, Lapeer County Health Department. Uh, Patrick, I appreciate our conversation today and understand there are many challenges associated with the current coronavirus situation. I also appreciate your willingness to work with us on this issue. At your request, I'm providing a simple follow-up to our call. In our efforts to reduce the community spread of the novel coronavirus-19, it is our expectation that restaurant owners within our jurisdiction will comply with the governor's executive orders and other directors that may be communicated on the matter. I understand there are many executive orders, however, for the question today which focused on face coverings and ensuring social distancing, but is not limited to that, I would direct you to EO 2020-114, beginning on page 10, paragraph 8, restaurants and bars. During the conversation, you agreed to have a written policy in place by Monday, July 6, 2020, but to provide verbal guidance to your employees today, as this order is dated June 5, 2020. We are trusting your word that you will ensure that the issue of employees wearing masks, as well as additional instructions listed in the EO, will be handled promptly. I thank you for your efforts you've already made in this regard. So wait, let me get this straight. You went to her because the EO wasn't direct. You were looking for more clarification, and she basically just referred you back to the EO? Refer me back to multiple EOs. And oh. again, you can see how long they are with paragraph 8 on page 10. <laughs> but beyond that, it, the attachment didn't include anything else of what we had talked about, the the, the variances and, and the routes that she wanted me to, to go with getting medical clearance from them. All that stuff that she talked about was nowhere in there. Mm -hmm. And it was just about me complying with, with what they said. And the whole point of this was I'm trying to comply, but I need you guys to add some clarification. And just to be clear, the EO is an executive order? Yes, they start to use EO as an abbreviation for executive order because they, they use that semi-frequently throughout here. So you responded. I said, I appreciate your time and letter, Kathy. However, my main concern was not addressed. This order seems to allow no exemptions for any medical or breathing issues. I have issued the order to my team and already have pushback from teammates with asthma and breathing issues. They are very upset and some broke down into tears. The Federal Americans with Disability Act makes it very clear I must make reasonable accommodations for employees to allow them to complete their jobs as long as they can handle the minimum physical requirements which are documented and laid out in the application, hiring, and orientation process. I cannot just legally update those requirements post facto. I feel very uncomfortable in this instance where I'm relying on an order from the state enforced through you, the county, 
which appears to be in clear violation of federal law, which of course supersedes all state, county, and local law. So if you wish me to enforce something that seems to be obviously violating federal law and has nothing to do with food code, then I need something spelled out saying that you, the health department, or the state is accepting all the potential liability that comes with openly forcing the violation of law. Having dealt with elements of the ADA in the past, the American with Disabilities Act, I know it is not merely suggestions. Please advise. Thank you for your time and have a great weekend. I need some clarification. There are federal laws that protect employees, right? So that's what you're referring to here? Yes. So being able to work comfortably, can you tell us a little bit of details about those laws just in terms of you know what they're there to protect against? Sure. Well, what I refer to in there, the American with Disabilities Act. So this is what makes structures have to make sure that we have ramps that are wheelchair accessible, that we have 36-inch uh, walkways to go through that our bathrooms have all the bar all those different things and that, that also ties into if somebody is able to meet uh, the physical the minimum physical requirements of your business if they have other medical issues you need to be able to provide reasonable accommodations for them to be able to do their job this is to prevent discrimination against somebody who has a medical issue employers could then just say oh well we're never going to hire these people because it's a pain or something. Sure. That's why the ADA came into the first place to offer protections to those who need it and prevent medical discrimination. And so what you were looking for was basically, um, as a business owner, just making sure that you wouldn't be held liable for these uh, orders that were being enforced. Is that what you were looking for from this? Yes. Violating ADA law can not only... Uh, result in penalties coming from the government, but can it open you up to civil penalties hmm. um, if somebody wanted to, to file a lawsuit against me. And in, in the world of, of business, the only way to win a lawsuit is to never have one filed. Once one's filed against you, you're already on the defensive, you're already on the hook for huge legal bills, time, and having potentially your reputation dragged through the mud. So it was going to put me in a potentially very tenuous position where I'm opening myself up to these lawsuits coming in and all I'm asking for is something from you saying that you will defend me, you will protect me, or we are making you do this. So you're looking for confirmation as well as protection. Did they respond to your email? Kathy, the health director, writes back. Mr. Hinkst, the employees that you voice concern with are those with diagnosed asthma and respiratory issues are the very ones who have the potential of becoming very ill if they contract the coronavirus from another employee or customer. I am disappointed in your apparent choice to not protect them, since employees at your facility in a neighboring county have been abiding by said executive order. You may note in your email of pushback from some employees with reported health issues, yet others do not appear to be following the orders either. If you do have employees with significant health concerns, you may want to consider getting a note from their physician indicating the illness and the fact that they cannot wear a mask, if it is their recommendation. Additionally, I want to make sure you're aware that if an employee does test positive for COVID, all employees exposed to that individual will be quarantined for a period of roughly 14 days. I've attached several documents for you as you previously mentioned difficulty navigating the various orders. One is Executive Order 2020-145, which replaces Executive Order 2020-114, but provides the same restaurant information under paragraph 8. I've also attached Executive Order 2020-147 that was issued today and specifically addresses the mask issue. Last, I've also attached some other workplace guidance for you. The new Executive Order takes effect July 13th. Due to your previous response, we will be contacting MyOSHA as well as forwarding information to the prosecuting attorney if needed for them to make a determination on further action. Wait, so am I hearing a threat in this email? You're just looking for some guidance and some protection and... Am I, am I reading that right or hearing you right? Like that sounds like you were being threatened? Yes, at this point she's saying that she's going to report me to Myosha 
who has the ability to come in and, and, and leverage huge fines. A news release from the Michigan Occupational Safety and Health Administration cited 19 businesses across Michigan having to pony up $57,000 in fines. As additionally, my OSHA issued their own directive. So on top of, you heard all the different paperwork she was sending me. Mm -hmm. My OSHA, another executive department, also had additional mandates that we had to follow and lots of paperwork to fill out. So you can just see you know, this bureaucratic nightmare that's here and I'm asking for clarity and her clarity is to send me eight or nine more legalese docs that don't really clarify anything. So I'm assuming you responded to that one? Uh, at this <laughs> okay. point now, um, you know, I was, I was trying to approach this as a partnership. I wanted to get answers. You know, I, I'm trying to not let any of my frustration come through, but that response was like, whoa, okay, I'm not being treated as a partner here. I'm just being told to shut up and follow the rules. And even then, as I'm trying to have a conversation, it ends with, we're turning you over to other authorities. So I respond with, Kathy, as I stated in the second line of my email, after our conversation on the phone, I issued the order that we would be enforcing the masks uh, but was requesting clarity on how to proceed with what appeared to be valid exceptions not addressed. That you would talk down to me and threaten me in the way you did while I provided valid real-world questions is unnecessary and unproductive. I've always approached my relationship with the health department as a partnership. This is seen both with my solid relationships with all inspectors as well as our track record of great inspection scores. Taking care of my team is always my most important job, and I have worked hard over my career to always do so. To imply otherwise is simply offensive and uncalled for. The guidance on the physician's note is what I was looking for. Nowhere in any of the EOs, nor anywhere else in the information you sent me, nor in the letter you sent, nor in our conversations was that brought up. And this was my main concern. Just because we have these new rules to follow doesn't mean I do not still have the legal obligation to honor the rules of the ADA, OSHA, or HIPAA. Why you would have knowledge about my other businesses outside of your jurisdiction or why you would hold, that would hold any relevance in this discussion is unknown to me. But since you brought it up, we actually experienced one of my teammates in Oxford with asthma literally passing out right after a shift. I had to spend time this weekend talking with her dad as he threatened me with exactly what I told you was my fear. This is on top of two health-related issues with teammates here in Lapeer. These are not hypotheticals. This is my team, my life, my business, and my and my family's livelihood. I have both empathy and compassion for the role you have to play. I know it cannot be easy. I'm sure you have much to deal with well beyond my purview. But as I try to be straightforward, open, and a willing partner with you, please offer me the same courtesy. Well, first, I'm very sorry to hear about your employees. I hope they're doing well and feeling okay. I have to know, what did you respond to with that email? There was no response. I'm sorry, there was no response to that email? No. So communication ended? Yes. Without clarity? without protection. That was the end of the line. So you guys have this back and forth exchange. It just ends. How do you feel? Frustrated, confused, disillusioned even. You know, first off with, with them telling us what the plan is and that seeming like they're not being upfront and honest with everybody as we continue to set these other benchmarks and say these other these other tactics are working. You know, who else was I supposed to turn to at this point? I just talked to the highest ranking health official in the county. The state won't respond to anything. The emails you get from them are from do not reply email addresses and all their state offices have been closed down at this point. All their workers furloughed. At this point, we're just going to move forward as best we can and, and see what comes our way. So you've done the best to accommodate your staff. Did you face any violations? No, we never heard anything else from it. Um, anecdotally, we heard that the the prosecutor was not going to touch anything related to any of these executive orders, um, and we never had any communication from them. We never received any 
health department violations and never had any other visits for them. And our, our record on health inspections has remained stellar. So your team's forced to wear masks and you guys are now open. Were there any challenges with hiring people based on these new restrictions? What was hiring and keeping a staff like during this time? So now it's in the summertime, so we're opening back up. We're able to increase our staff from we were at the, the eight employees because uh, we had laid off 20. And so now we're opening up for dine-in service. Um, we're in the middle of a labor crisis. So in the world of restaurants, it's been hard for us to find staffing for the last three, four, five years. We talk a lot about the shortage of skilled workers. Our next guest says, well, she can't get enough teenagers. Can't even find any teenagers to fell jobs at her fast food franchises. We've seen a wave of Nashville restaurants close, including Lulu, Gersthaus, and Caviar and Bananas. And as News Channel 5 Sarah McCarthy explains, a hiring crisis could be to blame. Okay, so you're reopening. It's now summer. How do you hire back your team? We had dropped down to eight employees from our 28, the rest were on uh, being laid off and as the order came back for us to reopen that meant we had to try to get the team back together but there was kind of a really big issue as I had a new competitor the government the challenges for small businesses continues into the summer of 2020 creative entrepreneurs figure out ways to get by but are they thriving or just hanging on by a thread find out more on the next episode of the restaurant revolution